Well, how are we doing today, Summit Church? Some of you are still visiting. I'm sorry to interrupt you. How are we doing today? Good. Some of you are still like tryptophan hang- hangovers from Thanksgiving. You're still a little drowsy, maybe. I am so glad to see you. I'm so glad that you survived the Thanksgiving holidays and Black Friday and all that kind of craziness, and I'm glad you're here today. My name is Mel, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit Church, and I just want to say thanks for worshiping with us. If you're watching online at summittogether.com, I just want to tell you thank you for worshiping with us, and wherever you are and uh, wherever you might be and however you're joining us, thank you for making the Summit a part of your day. I know we've got a lot of people that are on vacation, that are traveling. Uh, we've got all of our college students, uh, that for the most part, that are gone, uh, that uh, you know, come to IUP here, and so we're glad that you are here, though, because Um, When we come together and we worship together, something powerful happens. So I'm so glad that you are with us today. Um, Let me tell you a couple things before we jump into our new series. Um, Number one, we've had some people saying, hey, what are we doing for Christmas Eve? And I'm glad you asked. Christmas Eve, that is a Wednesday night. It's the 24th this year, as opposed to normally. Um, (laughs) So Christmas Eve, that night, we're going to have two services that evening. It's going to be at 5.30 p.m. and 7 p.m., and those services are going to be, uh, they're not going to be a normal length service time. They're going to be between 45 and 50 minutes long. So we want to be able to get you in, um, share that evening together because we are family and we're church family. So we're going to have a really powerful experience together. And then we're going to kick you out so that uh, you can go eat dinner with your family, open gifts or whatever it is that you do. So we want to, we want to make sure you know about that evening. Now we are not going to have uh, kids ministry that evening. So your kids will be with you. And that's another reason for the 45 to 50 minutes instead of an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. So uh, just be aware of our Christmas Eve service schedule. So we'd love for you to be here and be a part of that. If for some reason you can't, if you've got a, a family gathering going on, we will be live streaming the services. So we would love for you to take a few minutes. If you're get together with your family, you're opening gifts, say, hey, you know what? Why don't we watch services together? Why don't we watch these services? You put them online, and you might have people in your family that never go to church, and they would never come to this service, uh, but they might watch that service online with you that night, and, and that would be fantastic, because that might be a seed that can, uh, that can lead to something greater. So we've got multiple options available for you. We'd love for you to be here and worship with us. If you can't, for whatever reason, join us online at summittogether.com. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to mention to you is we have uh, a couple of things to do with the Salvation Army. Number one, there are more tags on the tree out in the lobby. If you want to help uh, buy gifts for kids in our community that normally wouldn't have them, stop by there, grab one of the tags off the tree, buy as many or as few of those gifts as you want to, and then bring them back to the church unwrapped. You can bring them uh, during normal office hours, so that's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday through Thursday of this next week, or you can bring it uh, Wednesday night to service, and I think and I think we can get them back a week from today, and it'll be okay. So uh, pick those up, bring them back to us. Also, the other thing is, if you're interested in signing up for an opportunity to ring bells um, here in our community, we've got six different locations from the 15th to the 19th that the summit is taking over. And so we'd love for you to help us with one of those locations. It's a great opportunity to serve our community. Sign up, take your family out. Maybe your small group wants to sign up to take uh, one of the locations for a couple of days. That'd be great. So sign up out in the lobby for that and get ringing. It was, I was walking into Giant Eagle the other day, and one of our folks was out there ringing bells. I was like, wait a second, you're already ringing bells. I, I know, I just love serving our community, and the Salvation Army does so much for our, our, our people. And I said, you know what, you're absolutely right. So I love the fact that we have people that serve, not just when we ask you to, but you are proactive about it. So thank you for that. So you can sign up for bell ringing in the lobby as well. Hey, today, oh yeah, I said there was just one more thing. I'm glad I wrote this down. Um, we are not fully Christmased up here at the church. 
okay? And what I mean by that is uh, yesterday we had to Christmas, like Christmas ties our house by Christmas tree and decorations and lights and more shiny stuff than you could ever possibly imagine. And so our house just is, it looks like a winter wonderland now. And you might have done the same thing. And some of you guys, your fingers are still frozen for putting lights up this weekend and things like that. Um, but we are going to be decorating the church, the lobby and the auditorium, this Thursday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. And if you are available to come help, our staff is going to be doing this, and we would love for you to come and just be a part of this. And we're going to have you know, coffee and hot chocolate and that kind of thing. So come and hang out with us, get warm, and, uh, and let's decorate the church and just get ready for this holiday season. If you'd like to join us, like I said, it's going to be from 1 to 6 on Thursday. All right, that's enough of my my announcements. Let's jump right into it. Today we're starting a new series called Advent, and if you're from a more liturgical background, maybe you're, you're from churches that have celebrated Advent in the past, typically churches that are more, um, more charismatic, um, they, they tend not to celebrate Advent as much. But Advent is something, it comes from a Latin word, and the Latin word is Adventus, and that word means the arrival. And basically what Advent is, it's an opportunity for Christians to say we are setting aside time and we're looking forward to the arrival of Jesus being Christmas and his birth. And so it's an opportunity for us to be very intentional about the Christmas season and saying, hey, this is not just about the gifts. It's not just about Black Friday. It's not about murdering somebody to get the right present for, you know, somebody else. Like none of those things are the things that really matter. But the thing that really matters is the arrival of Jesus Christ. Advent. That's what Advent is really all about. But it's not just about the arrival of Jesus in the form of Christmas, but it's also about the return of Jesus that we can celebrate because God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life and to die for us. And I'm thankful for that, and I I can celebrate that. But for Christians, we also need to be looking forward to the fact that not only did Jesus come, but he's coming again. And I'm so grateful, I'm so excited for the fact that Jesus is coming back for his church someday, that that we don't have to just live out our existence on planet Earth and hope for the best, but we have something to look forward to in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when we look at Advent, it's not simply a Christmas theme, but it really is all about Jesus, the person, the character, who he is, and who he is to us. So when we look at Advent over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking through that lens of his coming, his birth, but also his second coming, when he comes back. And the themes we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks uh, impact us in, in the way that um, his birth and what it means, the implications from that, impact us today. Not just that we get to go to heaven, not just that we don't have to go to hell, but there are things that are intrinsic about our value of life today because Jesus came and because he's coming again. And so those are the things we're going to be looking at. And today we're going to be talking about peace uh, just a little bit. In Mark chapter 13, verse 32 to 37, I won't read it, but uh, let me just reference this to you. Um, Jesus was talking to his disciples about his second coming, and he was doing it in kind of a veiled way. And he referenced a story, he made up the story, and he said, um, <clears throat> pretend that uh, you were a servant in a house, basically. And the master of the house says, hey, I'm going away on a trip. And he doles out responsibilities to everybody. And he said, here's your job, here's your job, here's your job. Now you go take care of that. I'll be back at some point. But he doesn't tell them when. He just says he'll come back. And have you ever done that trick with your kids? You don't tell them, hey, this room better be clean in five minutes. You just say, you better get this room clean. I'm coming back to check on it. When I check on it, it better be ready. Have you ever done that? Maybe you're nicer than I am. I don't give them a time frame sometimes. I'll just show up like, aha! You know, like burst in their room. Daddy, I'm not ready yet. Anyway. Um, 
And so Jesus was painting this picture for his disciples and for his followers saying, hey, you don't know when I'm going to come back. No one knows except the Father. So be ready. And he said, it's, it's like the master of the house is going to return. You don't know when the master's coming back. So you don't want the master to show by, back up. And you are asleep. You're laying down on the job. You haven't done what he asked you to do. So be ready. Be vigilant. Stay awake is what he said. And this was, this, this was painted so beautifully for me. When I was in college, um, I was down in this little town called Waxahachie, Texas. It's where this Bible college was that my wife and I attended. <clears throat> and my parents, um, they, they had a house in Waxahachie. And so they let me live there while I was in school. And it was out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I had like three houses on this little cul-de-sac I lived on. But my house, the, the back door opened up to this huge field. And it's, remember, this is Texas. So where we were at there, it was pretty flat. I mean, you could see a long way. And um, I, was, I was single, living in this house by myself. And you can imagine I didn't take the best care of the house at times because I was single. And who cares if I let the laundry pile up for a while? Or who cares if I let the dishes pile up for a while? And so one day I'm standing. <clears throat> I just happened to be looking out, gazing upon the fields. And it was just beautiful. Out in the middle of nowhere, I'm looking. And there was this long road that led up to our house. And it was, man, you could see like a mile, maybe a mile and a half down the road. And I'm standing there. I'm looking down the road. My parents lived in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> I'm looking down the road, and I see some dust like, oh, that's, that's weird, because well, maybe, you know, we're getting company, one of the neighbors, and gets a little closer, and I realize that it looks like, it sort of looks like my dad's truck. It's a white, white Chevy pickup truck. Oh, okay. And it gets a little bit closer, and I realize, oh, my gosh, it's my dad. And I'm, no! And I'm like, in that moment, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get the house. And I'm like throwing dishes in the dishwasher, but I'm not, I'm just throwing them all in the dishwasher and closing it. I'm pushing stuff under beds. I'm just trying to get the house ready because my dad's showing up. He didn't announce it. He didn't call and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to be there in four hours. Because if he would have, I would have had the house clean, right? He showed up unexpectedly, and I'm standing there in his house. I need to get this house ready. And this is the picture Jesus is painting for us because he says, someday I'm coming back. And when I come back, you need to be prepared. You need to stay awake. You need to be vigilant. And that is what Advent is really all about. It's about celebrating the birth of Jesus, but it's about being vigilant and staying awake and knowing that Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his bride. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be prepared. We don't need to be caught off guard. <clears throat> Peace is an interesting thing. And when we look at the world today, we live in a world that seems to be virtually without peace. There doesn't seem to be peace anywhere. We talk about it and we, we know what it is. We can identify it. But it's really hard to really grasp it and get a hold of it for our own lives. Well, let's go back to the, the biblical Hebrew definition of peace. Because when, in our lives, peace is um, kids go upstairs and play. Daddy needs some peace, right? Like, you're driving me crazy. You've been out of school for three days. Go upstairs and play. Go to the basement and play. Get, just get out of this room. Give me some peace and quiet, right? That's, that's kind of what we think about. We think of peace as uh, lacking conflict. Well, if there's not a fight, there must be peace. Well, not necessarily. And we think if there's no noise, then there's peace. It's peace and quiet. But that's not necessarily the case either because when we look at the, the Hebrew definition of peace, it doesn't just mean a lack of conflict or a lack of fighting. What peace really means when you break it down, it means something so much more than that because the Hebrew word is shalom, and that's a noun. And the, the noun, it means safe, 
well, happy, all these different things. But it also it can be used in reference to health or prosperity or peace in a kind of abstract way. So when we talk about shalom, peace, we're not just talking about no conflict. We're talking about a state of well-being, of, of who we are as a, as a place of peace. Does that make sense? So it, it goes a little further, though, when you take it into the verb form. And I normally don't get geeky like this on you. Well, I am a geek, but I normally don't take it like this with you. But this is what I'm going to do. Um, the verb form of shalom is shalom. It's S-H-A-L-A-M. And it really takes it a little further, and it points to completeness in our lives. So what the verb form does is it indicates wholeness or completion or, or a lack of nothing. So when we say that we're at peace, what we're saying is we lack nothing. We are complete. We are whole. We're not fractured or broken. Does that make sense? That's the meaning of peace. That is truly what is at the heart of shalom. It's not that there's no conflict or fighting, but it's that we are complete. We are lacking nothing. See, shalom describes the actions that lead to a state of wholeness. It's not just the state of affairs, but it describes a process, an activity, or a movement towards fullness, wholeness, or completion, a lack of nothing. So in many ways, peace isn't an absence of movement or motion, but peace is a motion. It's, it's moving toward completion, toward wholeness, toward a lack of nothing. Does that make sense? That is what peace really is. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, this is a prophetic word about the coming Messiah. Jesus hadn't been born yet. And this is what it says in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will, of hosts will do this. Now, this passage, when it was written, the, the, the children of Israel were in a very dark place. And they had been through a number of bad rulers and leaders. And what the writer what Isaiah was doing here, the word he was hearing from the Lord was, hey, you know what? You might be dissatisfied with the leadership of your nation. You might be dissatisfied with your local leader. You might be dissatisfied with these different things that are going on, but someday God is going to send a Messiah. And that Messiah is not going to be flawed. He's not going to be out for his own agenda. He's not going to be looking to, to line his own pockets. What he's going to be looking to do is bring something to you. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a prince of peace. And again, when we look at it in the context of, of shalom, it's not just the prince of no fighting. Hey, we're going to end all wars. That's not what he's about. He's about getting to the heart of what causes wars. And that's what Jesus does. He is different than every other ruler and leader that Israel had ever seen. I love what it says here, and it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The peace that Jesus brings, there is no end to it. It can't be stopped by some conflict or fighting. It can't be stopped by a resolution. It can't be stopped by a government. The peace that Jesus brings is unstoppable. If we'll allow it to happen. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? It's unstoppable if we'll allow it to happen. Because the peace that we bring into our heart is what God wants to bring. 
I want us to look at a couple of ways that, that we attain peace in our lives. Now, the first way is really simple. It's really basic. <clears throat> really, really, but they're both really basic. The first way that we can attain peace in our lives is to choose Jesus. And you're like, Mel, come on now. This is church, and I've been coming for a little bit. I want something a little deeper than that. Well, this is what you got today, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is me it's coming from, so it's not going to get too much deeper than that. We have to choose Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 13, the, the angel of the Lord had appealed, appeared to the shepherds and had announced the birth of Jesus. And then it says in verse 13, a suddenly, and suddenly there was an angel uh, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Now, if you read the traditional verse, like the King James, I believe, says, peace on, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But that really is a little bit inaccurate because it's pointed not just at all of mankind, anybody who's a human being, but it really is directed at those who are followers of Jesus, who have a relationship with Jesus, and more specifically, those with whom he is pleased. So how do we attain peace in our lives? It's by saying, okay, Jesus, I have no ability to fix my life on my own. I'm going to submit it to you and let you fix it. I have no ability to, to, to get rid of the conflict in my life. I have no ability to, to get rid of the lack in my life. The only way I can attain peace in my life is by submitting my life to Jesus. And when Jesus takes it, then he gives us his peace because he's pleased with us. John 14, 27, this is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. <laughs> what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm giving you my peace. Peace I live, leave with you, my peace. He's saying the same peace that I have, I'm giving to you. And then he compares it to the peace of the world. He said, not as the world gives, do I give to you. He said, what I'm doing is different than what the world is doing. You can try to find your peace in this world, but it's not going to happen because that's not where real peace lies. He said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And again, he, he contrasts peace with this feeling of, of fear. And fear and peace are at odds with each other. They are at conflict with each other. You cannot be at peace and have fear in your life. It can't happen. Because fear... <clears throat> Fear at, at its root is lack of something, okay? I'm, I'm short on funds. How am I going to pay my bills? Um, I don't have enough friends. I don't have a support system. What if something happens in my life? I, I don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wh whatever it is. I'm lacking something, and as a result, I've got fear in my life. Okay, let's make it even simpler. When you were a kid and you had that nightlight, I had a Spider-Man nightlight because I wasn't going to go with some sissy nightlight. I wanted a real manly nightlight. If I'm going to be protected in the dark, I want Spider-Man to protect me in the dark, right? So I had the Spider-Man nightlight, and I felt fantastic with that Spider-Man nightlight. Why? Because I could see the whole room. But you take that nightlight away, I get a little nervous because I can't see what's in the room, right? I'm lacking light. I'm lacking knowledge of what's in the room, and it makes me nervous. And when we lack something in our lives, we get nervous. That's where fear comes in. We invite it to come in. And what did I say earlier? Peace is a lack of nothing. Wholeness, fullness, completion. Peace and fear are at odds with each other. You cannot be a peaceful person if you live in fear, if you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's coming down the pipe. You cannot do it. 
whether it's money or security or safety or whatever it is, fear is the lack of something or the perceived lack of something in your life. But Jesus came to fix that. He came to eradicate the lack in your life. He came so that you could have more than enough. You're like, yes, I want more than enough money. Well, that's not exactly how this translates, okay? But he came so you could be supplied sufficiently, have everything you need. John 16, this is Jesus again speaking. He says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Did you hear that? In me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Again, he compares these two things. He says, in me you're going to have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. He's saying, I am, I am superior than the world. I have dominion over the world. I, I have, I'm sovereign over the world. Now, I pray this prayer a lot, but I pray sometimes with people when they come forward or when I'm praying over, you know, just in my prayer time, I pray, Lord, I pray that the same Jesus that spoke peace be still to the winds and the waves will speak peace be still to this situation. Because it's a reminder to me that Jesus is sovereign over nature, that there is nothing that doesn't bow down to Jesus. Everything in the universe bows down to Jesus. Does that make sense? So when we submit ourselves to God and say, God, I want your peace in my life. Jesus, I need you to, to give me your peace. Jesus says, I've got this because I've already overcome the world. There's nothing in the world you need to be afraid of because I've already overcome it. You don't need to be afraid of, of ISIS or Ebola or, or what's going on in Ferguson. You don't need to be afraid of anything in the world. The media would tell you, be afraid. Why? Because that gets viewers. It get, keeps people watching. There's only so much they can say about some of these things, but they say it over and over and over and over and over and over. And the more times we hear it, the more afraid we get, the more unnerved we are. And Jesus says, hey, I've overcome the world. You don't have any reason to be afraid of Ebola. Let's take this out to the worst case scenario. If you are a Christian and you love God and you have a relationship with him and you get Ebola and you die, you get to go to heaven. <laughs> so should we be afraid of Ebola? No. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome Ebola. Should we be afraid of ISIS? Muslim terrorists, radical Islam. Should we be afraid of that? No. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome that. Should we be afraid of the differences in races and what's going to happen and what's happening down there? Maybe it'll happen up here. No. Let me say this. I'm going to get myself in trouble now. <laughs> Do you know what they need in Ferguson? They need the love of Jesus to show up. And not just, not just black people, white people too. Both races. Jesus needs to show up. People, their eyes need to be open to who he is and realize who he is. Have you seen the signs of some of the people holding up protesters all over the United States? It says, um, no justice, no peace, right? But the truth is, even if they had justice in their own eyes, they're not going to have peace because it's not about the circumstances. Our circumstances don't dictate our peace. Right. If, we, if we rely on our circumstances, we're never going to have peace. It will never happen because there's always going to be a problem or a situation or a crisis or something going on. There's always going to be somebody sick or some event happening in the world where you are going to feel unnerved. But when our peace is rooted and grounded in our relationship with Jesus, then we don't have anything to worry about. 
getting, I'm getting, getting feedback. Thank you. It doesn't matter. If it's ISIS, Ebola, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you agree with a president or disagree with a president. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. None of that stuff matters. All the circumstances of this world, they fade away in the face of Jesus Christ. When we are rooted and grounded in Jesus, it all goes away. See, peace isn't the absence of storm, but it's standing in the storms and being okay because you know who's standing with you. Apart from just Jesus, there is no real peace in this world. It's an illusion. So if you want peace, if you want real peace, if you want shalom, if you want a lack of nothing in your life, the only way you can get that is through Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do we attain peace? You choose Jesus. Second way we do that is by choosing peace. You're like, Mel, come on. I need something deeper than this. I talked about the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. Come on, give me some credit for that now. We choose peace. Now you go, well, didn't we just choose Jesus? Well, absolutely you did. But I will tell you this. I know a lot of Christians who, who know God. They are going to heaven someday, but there is a lack of peace in their lives. In fact, they're not happy unless they're unhappy. Do you know anybody like that? Probably not you, but I know that you probably, maybe at Thanksgiving, they were, they were at your house or you were at their house, right? We got family members, but nobody in this room is like that. Well, we're not happy unless we're unhappy. If we don't have something to gripe or complain about or something wrong in our lives, we're just not happy. We all know people when you say, hey, how's it going? You know they're going to tell you, right? <laughs> not too good, actually. I'm glad you asked. And you're like, why did I ask? I shouldn't have asked. Now everybody's going to be filtering their answers. Like, hey, how are you doing? But we know people that they're always griping. They're always complaining. They're always the victim. There's always a problem. God didn't create us for that. The truth is, we've created a situation where we are not at peace, where peace can't happen in our lives because we have to choose peace. We have to allow it to happen in our lives. We can't just choose to go to heaven, but we have to choose to have that, that blessing in our lives of Jesus' peace. The psalmist says in Psalm 120, in, in Psalm 120, verse 6, it, it, there's this passage of Scripture where the psalmist, it wasn't King David, but the psalmist was writing, and they're probably in exile. And they're far from their homeland, and there's turmoil all around them, there's strife all around them. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 120, verse 6. The psalmist says, Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. There's some people in this room who you need to resolve that in your spirit and say, too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. Too long have I surrounded myself with people who want to stir up junk in my life. Too long have I had the wrong kind of friends who, who, want, to, who want to tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong and how bad I am, who want to cause fights among me. You know what? There's no reason. You should, there are times that I'm going to disagree with my best friends that the people I'm closest with, I'm not going to see eye to eye with. But there's no reason that people you call friends should be starting fights with you. Right? And it sounds simple. It sounds ridiculous to even say it. But there are people in this room that surround ourselves with people who want to fight with us all the time. Stop it. Stop. You know what? We talk about family of choice and family of birth. Even if they're family of choice, you don't have to surround yourself with them. You, well, I'm stuck with them. It's my parents. Guess what? You don't have to spend every moment of your life with them. 
You don't have to let the words that they say get into the heart, into your heart. Those are seeds, and they're going to be planted, and they're going to take root, and they're going to grow something. So what you can do is say, you know what? I'm going to reject that, and I'm not going to allow you to plant words in my life that are going to bear fruit of some sort. So many of us in this room, we've surrounded ourselves with people who hate peace. They don't want things to be right and healthy and whole. They're looking for conflict. And some of us in this room need to choose peace by saying, you know what, I'm not going to let these people speak into my life. I'm not going to let them have a say. Man, this isn't in my notes. This is bonus coverage, people. <clears throat> if, if you are, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and be specific. If you're a single woman in this place and you've got a boyfriend that doesn't know how to treat you, they, they talk trash to you, if they're physically abusive with you, you need to do something about that, Okay. But if they just don't treat you like you deserve to be treated as a daughter of God, as a princess of the Most High, leave them. There is something better for you, okay? You don't need to surround yourself with people like that. You don't need to surround yourself with people who are going to stir up conflict in your life. Not that everybody has to tell you exactly what you want to hear, but you need people in your life that are going to encourage you because there's enough people in your life that want to trash you. Surround yourself with people that will encourage you and breed peace in your life. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. You don't have to live there anymore. Amen. Change your address. Move. Amen. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, how do you gain peace in your life? By living a life that pleases the Lord. Because when a man's life pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Do, you, do you, you want to make your enemies upset? Live a life that pleases God. They won't have any choice but to be at peace with you. They're not even going to like it, but they're going to be at peace with you because God is blessing you, and you, God's blessing is going to rest on your life when you live a life that pleases him. Don't, don't worry about getting even. Don't worry about um, getting the, the, the fair. That's not fair. I've, I've got to get even with them. I've got to, they said this about me. I've got to say that about them. No, no, no. Live a life that pleases God. And let God sort that out. My girls talk all the time about fair. Daddy, that's not fair. Does your girls, do your kids ever do that? That's not fair. They got two desserts. I only got one dessert. Daddy, that's not fair. They got to have a sleepover, and I didn't get to have a sleepover. Ugh. And so I tell my girls this all the time. Um, I'm not going to treat you evenly, but I'm going to treat you fairly. And I think God takes that approach with us. He doesn't treat us evenly. He treats us fairly. He doesn't want us to be even with everyone. Whenever somebody says something about us and we got to get them back, that's not what God's interested in. God's interested in treating us fairly, not evenly. When man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You don't have to get even with somebody. God takes care of it when you please him. That's where we find peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 <clears throat> says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. I got to be careful because last time I referenced this scripture, I had to get my daughter a dog. Um, <laughs> do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. That's verse six. And if you remember when I went through this verse this summer, um, <laughs> prayer is what we talked about a few weeks ago when we just get on our face before God and say, okay, God, I've got this need in my life. I've got this situation in my life. I've got this problem, whatever it is. And we go before God and we give it to God. That's, that's what prayer is. It's not only sharing our needs with God, but it's hearing from God. And then it says with prayer and supplication. And supplication is earnest 
prayer. It's continually reminding God. It's not begging God or trying to coerce God, but it's just reminding him, God, I love you, and, and I know you love me, and here's the situation of my life. Just resolve it somehow. Take care of it somehow. That's what supplication is. It's just reminding God. It's sharing your heart with God and, and hearing his heart. And so it says, but in everything, so it says, don't be anxious about anything. Again, this is fear, anxiety, worry. It says, don't, don't let yourself go there, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, it says, so with thanks, God, I'm in this situation. I don't know what's going on, but I thank you that you are God and I am not. I thank you that you're able to resolve this. I'm going to tell you my need again. Here's what's going on. I want to hear from you. And then it says this. It says, let your request be made known to God. And this is the result. In verse 7, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God won't just be something for you to have, that he's going to give you the peace of God, but the peace of God will literally guard your heart. When you choose to say, I'm going to lay aside my anxiety and my fear and my worry, I'm going to lay that down. I'm not going to carry that with me. I'm going to choose to trust God. I'm going to choose peace. What happens is God surrounds us with his peace. It protects us like a fort. You remember when you were a kid? Maybe, maybe This is my generation, maybe. If you're older or younger, you won't get this. Does anybody remember Trapper Keepers? Oh, yeah. Some of you are like, yes, now you're preaching. Um, when I was a kid, they had these things, trapper keepers, and, you, you, and they were the coolest things ever. And so you'd open it up, and it would like open up and open up and open up, and it'd be like that big, and it was heavy and plastic, and you'd put your, all your folders in there. And what you would do if you had the good trapper keepers, you could actually put it up, stand them up on your desk, and you could set it up all around, and you could put your folders on top, and it was like a fort. And so you could be sitting there, and then you get down behind the fort, and you could do your homework, because who knows who's cheating off you? Little did I know nobody was going to cheat off me. Um, but you put this fort up, and it was like this protection, and kids could throw stuff at you or flick stuff or pencils, whatever. It was fine, because you got your trapper keeper fort, right? And this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. When we submit ourselves to God, when we pray the way he wants us to pray, when we, when we choose peace instead of worry and anxiety and fear, what he does is he puts a fort around us that protects us. He puts the, the, the spirit of God, this, this peace of God is around us, and it guards us and it shields us from the things of this world. But it's when we pray, when we submit it to God, and we pray with thanksgiving, that he is able to do that. That's the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation that seemed crazy and you thought, there's no reason I should be at peace right now? I should be freaking out way more than I'm freaking out. Have you ever had a moment like that? That was the peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't know why you're acting like you are. You don't know why you're at peace with the situation like you are. Maybe your, your husband loses his job. Maybe there's some sort of, there's some sort of bad diagnosis and you just go, you know what, we're going to be okay. I don't know how, but we're going to be okay. That's the peace of God in your life. So many of us don't live with that. We live our lives daily, in and out, without the peace of God. But that's what he wants for us desperately. It's not just to live a life that's absent of conflict, but live a life that's full of him, that's whole and full and rich and lacking nothing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 16, Paul is writing to the church there. And in his benediction, as he's closing this letter out, I love what it says. It says in verse 16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And that's my prayer for you today. That the, the Lord of peace 
will give, him, will give you peace at all times in every way. That there's not going to be a situation in your life that you don't have peace. That you don't have the lack of nothing. That every area of your life is full and rich and you experience God in every way you possibly can. Because peace isn't just about no fighting. Because you can be in a marriage where you're not fighting. That doesn't mean it's rich and full and lacking nothing, though. Does that make sense? But that's what God wants for you. He wants a marriage. He wants a life where you are lacking nothing. You know, we just came out of Thanksgiving, and that's truly what we have to be thankful for, is a God who will help us lack nothing. That everything he wants us to have, we will have. The things that really matter, we can attain and we can have in our lives if we'll trust him, if we'll say, God, I want your peace. I choose Jesus, number one. I want to have a relationship with him because he's the only way to real peace, to know true peace in this world. And then I'm going to choose peace beyond that. I'm going to choose a life where I'm not worried, I'm not afraid, I'm not anxious about every little thing that happens, but I'm going to trust God and believe the best. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today, and I'm so grateful for your peace in our lives. I'm thankful, Father, that you have willingly given it to us. And God, I pray that today we would not live lives absent of peace, that we would not allow ourselves to live lives without everything you've got for us. And God, I pray that it wouldn't just be about not fighting or, or a lack of noise or any of those kind of things, but Lord, let it truly be about lacking nothing in our lives. Let us see it as a state of well-being. And God, I pray that, that we would want to attain that in our lives. God, I pray for every person in this place. I pray that as we leave here today, we would remember that you came as the Prince of Peace and that your second coming should give us peace that someday some of the trouble and some of the strife and some of the turmoil of this world, all of it's going to go away because you're going to show up and make things right. So Lord, I pray that that would give us a divine sense of peace in this place. God, I pray that you just have your way with us over the next few minutes. If you would, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. If you're here today and you said, Mel, I'm, I'm here and I'm not even really a Christian. I don't really know peace in my life because the truth is I don't even really know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you said a prayer. Maybe you raised your hand at some point. But today you know that you don't really know Jesus. And you want to make things right. And you want to know, know him. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and say, pray for me? I want, I want to pray to know Jesus. I want to pray to have a relationship with him. I want to get some things right. If that's you, just slip your hand up and let me pray with you. Thank you over here on my left. Who else? Who else says, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. Another hand on my left. See you, ma'am. You can put your hand in. Awesome. Fantastic. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Say, that's me, Mel. Pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I don't want to just have a religious act. I just want to go to church. I want to know Jesus. Thank you down here on my left, another hand, awesome. This is what I'd like to do. I want every person in the room to repeat this prayer. It's just a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about the words that I'm saying, but it's all about you saying these words and you meaning it in your heart. So I want every birth person in the place to repeat this prayer. And if you're watching online and you feel like the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and you want to know Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer with us as we pray it here. So everyone in the room, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I can have peace but I can only have it through you. I wanna know you today. I wanna to be in relationship with you and I wanna walk with you the rest of my life. I'm turning away from my old life and I'm never gonna go back to it. I choose 
to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we just give God a huge round of applause for what he just did in this place? Thank you, Lord. You know, there's a party going on in heaven right now because these people responded and said, I want to know Jesus. And it's not about this prayer that we just prayed, but it's about relationship. It's about being in relationship with God. This is the other thing I want to do. Bow your head and close your eyes, and I'll say one more quick prayer. If you're here and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. Man, I struggle with fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and all those kind of things, and I need God's peace in my life. Um, If that's you, would you say pray for me? Slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Yeah, all over this place. All right. Well, let me just pray. Lord, thank you that we can know your peace. We can have your peace. It's something that we can attain and live in in our lives. Lord, I pray that none of us would leave this place the same today. Lord, those that raise their hands, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just begin to saturate them with your peace. God, I pray that they wouldn't be able to understand it even why they feel the peace that they do about their situations and their circumstances. But God, I pray right now they begin to lay aside anxiety and worry and doubt. Lord, I pray that they would just lay it down, Lord, right now that they would cast it down. And when they leave here, they would leave it in this place, never to pick it up again. God, I pray that that the disorders in this place would be healed, Lord. Um, Anxiety disorders would be healed in this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that, that worry and fear, that chronic fear would go away, that Lord, you have overcome the world. So we know that you have overcome worry and fear in this place. So God, I'm praying against that in the name of Jesus with your authority and your power. And we're believing that you have done what you've said you've done. We're believing for you to overcome these different things, God. And we're believing for peace in this place. Lord, a peace that passes all understanding. So God, I pray for every man and woman that raised their hand and said they need your peace. God, I pray supernaturally give them your peace right now. Let them experience it. And Lord, not just for a day or or for a season, but Lord, let them walk in that for the rest of their lives. Lord, I pray that, that anxiety and fear, those things would be laid aside never to be picked up again. So God, have your way with those that raise their hand. God, have your way with this place. Be glorified here. Be God here. And let us make much of your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now listen, if you uh, responded to prayer today, if you said, hey, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life, I want to know him in relationship, we want to help you take the next step. So the way you do that is by taking that card that's in the seat back in front of you. It's a prayer card. Fill that out. And let us know that you made a decision today, whether you rededicated your life or made a decision for Jesus. We want to help you take the next step by um, getting in touch with you and just following up. So you can fill that card out and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. And just let us know about that. We want to follow up with you and connect with you and help you take the next step. Uh, If you're here and you need prayer, you want a continued prayer, there's a couple ways you can do that. Our prayer team's gonna be on either side of the stage. So as we go back into one more song of worship, our prayer team's available. We wanna pray with you right here before you even leave today. If you're uncomfortable with that or for whatever reason, you can fill out that prayer card, drop it in the offering box, or you can email us at prayer at summittogether.com and let us know what your prayer need is. We pray over every one of these needs during our staff meeting every week. We we pray, call them out by name. We believe for your needs with you. So let us know what your needs are and we're we're gonna pray with you about that. Why don't you stand your feet together and we're gonna do one more song and then we'll be closing out in just a moment.